Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast. We're your host, Kurt and Dylan, and we wanted to hop on today and discuss, for one, this World Destructors Championship, because we've got some drivers that are costing their teams a lot of money right now. Uh, and then also, we've been seeing some hints of some trouble in paradise, a little bit of bad blood, if you will, brewing between teammates on multiple teams. So we wanted to hop on and discuss that and the potential ramifications and fallout from that because Dylan, I think we've got nine team or nine drivers coming out of their contracts next year. Yeah, something ridiculous. So silly season is about to be wild with almost half the grid searching for a new home. So man. What about so this destructors championship though? We mentioned it on our last podcast, but it's finally been updated uh for after the Japanese race. Um, and if you don't, if you guys don't know what the Structors Championship is, there's a guy on Reddit that for years now has always tracked each driver's expenses that are caused by damage. So he's got a matrix or a rubric for you know different costs for different parts. And every time a driver crashes, it gets added to the list, and it's a running tally throughout the year. And these uh, this year, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Logan Sargent just went up after Japan to $3.9 million in damages. And I'm looking at it, and he lays out what all new parts that they needed. Logan Sargent needed two front wings, one brake drum deflector, two front suspensions, three wheels, one side pod, one rear suspension, one (laughs) rear wing, one floor damage, and three sets of brakes for $1.1 million (laughs) of damage. Almost every category <laughs> has a tick mark for Logan. It was essentially a brand new car. The only thing that he, that's not ticked is the monocoque, the additional chassis, the gearbox, and the electronics. That's it. All right. Man, for a person that is hanging on by a thread, <laughs> this is not what you... It, this isn't the pole that you want to be number one in. It's not even his most damaging race. Uh, what was it? Three races ago before Belgium... He doesn't have the 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 lettering's really weird on this. So right before Belgium, um, which was Hungary, um, he did one point four seven million dollars in damage. But Hungary w- looks like it was just total chaos. That whole race had five point four million dollars in damages. <laughs> this is a this really is, cool remember, thing, though. Yeah, it is. I remember watching it last year too, and. Logan Sargent is, I want to go side by side and see, but I think him and Mick Schumacher were, are pretty close, or he's pretty close to where Mick was last year because it was constantly destroying the car. I know, I think last year at the end of it, Mick was close to $5 million in damages. Logan's at 3.9 right Ooh. now. Oh, no, we still got seven races. <laughs> <laughs> he's averaging out almost, <laughs> probably almost a million dollars per race, so it's not looking good. No, for the... Uh... <laughs> Good. I wonder at what point they're just like, ah, just, just don't drive this weekend. Yeah, we're just gonna, we're retiring <laughs> just the car. car. <laughs> we have no more parts. <laughs> the funny, so I don't think any of us are surprised that Logan Sargent's number one, but the fact that Lance Stroll's not far behind him says a lot. And the <laughs> fact that Sergio Perez is very close. Lance has done two point six million in damages. Perez has done two point four five million in damage. He's one hundred fifty grand behind Lance. Jeez, I remember the big one for Perez was Monaco. Yes. Because he really destroyed the car there. But yeah, that's I, I didn't think that Checo would be in number three on this. No, and it's funny when you compare it to the constructors below. Um, 
you know, so so let me. I was just making this comparison. So Max Verstappen has the least amount of damages at two hundred twenty thousand dollars, followed by Alonso at three fifty and Hamilton at five twenty five. So Max and Alonso are the least damaged, yet Red Bull as a constructor is in fifth place and Aston Martin in fourth place for most destruction <laughs> due to their teammates by themselves. <laughs> uh, so Lance Stroll not only is costing them money by losing out in the constructors championship, but he's costing them money by damaging the car almost every weekend as well. Yeah. Just a double whammy right there. Yeah, in the in Zanvort, he did one point two million in damages. Gee, but really cool. So this for everyone is, that's listening, Kurt, let's let's kind of run down the numbers a little bit. You want to highlight some of these, or because we're just staring at numbers, I don't know if it makes sense to everybody else. But yeah, so let's start constructors overall. So obviously, with Logan Sargent leading the charge here. Williams is number one with $5.75 million in damages. And that's because uh, Logan Sargent's number one in the championship, the Destructors Championship, and Alex Albon is fifth. Yeah. So they've got both of their drivers. If you remember uh, where Alex did a number in uh, Australia, and there's another one where he really destroyed the car. But Australia was a big one. Monaco, he did $730,000 in damages. Oof. So, yeah, so Williams is leading the charge there at number one. We got Alpine coming in P2, largely also probably because of Australia. Uh, then Ferrari in P3 with $3.1 million in damages. Both the Ferrari drivers have done like $1.5 million in damages. They're up there at seven and eight. Yeah, they're pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah. But and then especially. Aston Martin, thanks to Lance Stroll. Uh, Red Bull, and all the way down at the bottom, we have Mercedes with only $1.1 million in damages, keeping it together. Yeah, they are. Alfa Romeo, too. I guess that's what happens, though, when your car is so slow it can't hurt itself. (laughs) Alfa Romeo is just, again, they're just kind of nowhere. Haas. Haas has got to be really happy. Haas is down in eighth place with $1.7 million. I mean, compared to last year, they've got to be ecstatic. They've only spent (laughs) (laughs) $1.7 They got to recoup some of those funds. And now I do believe these repairs go to your cost cap. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. So that's uh, not looking good. So if anybody wants to check this out, you can Google uh, 2023 World Destructors Championship, or you can go to Reddit, and it's uh, a guy on Reddit that goes by the name of Uh, Bass Pro 24 Chevy. Yep, goes by the name of Bass Pro 24 Chevy. All right. So, what about these drivers, man? We've been seeing, I think a lot of it came to light in this last race in Suzuka. You got to see the Mercedes guys who, for one, were getting in a fight on the track. And then afterwards, there's a lot of bad blood in the, not, what is that, when they go and they have the, they talk to the press. Yeah. I know Lewis made some comments about George. George is making comments. Then we saw what was going on with the Alpine guys. There's, you know, these some of these drivers are starting to get kind of feisty. Yeah, I think you and I were kind of talking about it in our last in the in the Japan review podcast, but I think just having no clear number one is leading to issues for those teams. Like that seems to be the 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 crux of it all is is both drivers are vying for first place, which is causing drama. Yeah, and I think especially with the Mercedes team. I think a lot of it probably goes back to George Russell coming onto the team, you know, 
being, hey, this is the future of Mercedes. He's going to be, you know, the future Lewis Hamilton once Lewis Hamilton bows out. But now Lewis hasn't bowed out. He's just re-upped for a few more years at this point. So now George is kind of face hit with the reality that he's going to have to play second fiddle again for at least a couple more years. So I think that's probably leading to a bit of frustration there. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I think if, if Lewis would have, I think he messed up George's plan and George is getting pissed off about it. I agree and I disagree. I mean, the but you know, compared to being down in a Williams, I think George is probably super happy, but um uh, you know, he's just not Lewis Hamilton though. And I think that uh, I'm sure there's quite a few drivers that would love it if Lewis and Max just rode off into the sunset and gave someone else a chance to win the championship, but uh that's not happening and so uh, you know, you got to step up to the plate, but it's hard to step up to the plate when you're playing second fiddle. Um, so it, it's definitely causing some drama. And I think George is inherently a better team player, but it's also kind of screwing him because he's trying to play the team game. And Lewis is like, that's yeah. fine. You go play the team game. I'm not moving. <laughs> and the interesting thing is when the beginning of the year and all that, when the, the car was shit and they're not fighting for wins or anything like that, everything was cool. But yep. now that they're starting to sniff around up at the front of the pack, there's, you're starting to see that they're both getting super competitive and super aggressive. So as that car continues to develop and then into next year, I think we're on for a lot more uh, fireworks, very closely reminiscent of, you know, Hamilton and Rosberg back in the day. That'll be interesting. Rosberg, you know, kind of not quite to the point of Alonzo, but Rosberg and Lewis definitely have the personalities to clash. George so often seems so, I don't know, uh, not, not a fighter. You know, K-Mag would get out of the car and go fisticuffs with you. Not, not George, right? <laughs> he would write you a strongly worded met letter and put it in the mail. And so I'm curious to see what happens on track, what the drama well, turns out to be. Um, well, hang on. Let's not forget the time he got out of his car and slapped Valtteri Bottas in the helmet. <laughs> I oh, think he was challenging him to a duel, though. <laughs> like, like any gentleman removed would. Removed his glove. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, I forgot, forgot he that. did do that to Bottas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so that'll be interesting. I, there might be some fireworks there come in. And, and I mean, man, Alpine's already almost in fireworks. And that's the one that they have been pushing a hard PR campaign to show how nice everything is, how good our boys are playing together. And you could see it. It's almost like that. Like, uh, remember Step Brothers when they move in together and they absolutely hate each other. And then they eventually start playing nice and all that. But then, you know, things eventually fall apart. And I think that's where we're at now. And we yes. saw it in, in Japan. You know, there's a little bit of, you know, everybody wants to be number one. And when it doesn't go your way, you get a little pissed off and throw a temper tantrum like Gasly did. Yeah, you definitely have some like high emotions. You remember um, a couple years ago, what is his name? It starts with the C. Who is the team principal when Danny uh, left Rennell? Um, oh, Cyril beat a ball. Cyril, yes. Like, I remember on the drive to survive, he's like, I'm an emotional and passionate man. Like, of course I got <laughs> upset about that. But like, I feel like that is the Alpine team in general. They're all emotional and passionate. And it's like, ooh, those emotions are going to get the best to somebody. Let's see hey. what happens here. <laughs> like, Gasly's temper tantrum was ridiculous. It Way was. Way over the top. And the fact that it lasted the entire lap <laughs> was just crazy. Was the fans are like, oh, he's waving at us. <laughs> yeah. 
I wish he I wish he'd accidentally left his radio on. I would have loved <laughs> to have heard whatever he was role playing out in his mind. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so this is we're up for some excitement next year cuz again, looking at these contracts, we got nine people that are set to expire. Well, and that's uh, who's the, you know, I bet some of them were new where they're at. I I don't True. really see the Mercedes guys breaking up. Um but like, let's talk Lance Stroll and you know Aston Martin. Let's talk the um, Alpha Tauri situation. We've got the Williams situation. Like, there's definitely seats open. We have Alpha Tauri with more drivers than seats. One of those drivers is going to want to go somewhere. Like, where do you see the hole? Yeah. So I was uh, reading up a bit on that today, and there's some reports about Liam Lawson being guaranteed on the sideline kind of guaranteed a 2025 drive with Red Bull. Um, and so that was kind of the deal made. We're like, hey, you do reserve duties next year. We'll find you somewhere to sit in 2025, whether that's, you know, Red Bull, Alpha Tower, who knows? Right now, Red Bull has five drivers and four seats. And I think I Nick think- DeVries had a very similar contract. Oof. Yeah, but <laughs> Nick DeVries didn't get in that car and start scoring points immediately. I'm just saying, nothing's guaranteed in <laughs> Formula One. I don't know if You're I'm right. sitting on the sidelines for a whole year. That's true. That's true. Um, but also, I know Christian Horner made some comments when he was asked about Liam Lawson potentially moving to Williams. And he said that, I've, I, I don't know the exact phrase that he said, but it was to the effect of, I don't believe that they would want him only for one year. So basically stating that, you know, they could potentially be up to discussing loaning him to somebody for a year, but then he's going to come back home into the fold. Cause I think right now the kind of the writings on the wall that, you know, Checo's probably not going to be there. I think it's a high probability that Checo will not be there. Come 2025. You think 25 um, is when he'll be gone at the end of his contract. Right. So I don't think that for one, I don't know if he would want to stay. It's it's getting pretty bad for him over there. He's constantly under pressure, constantly under fire. He's under a microscope. Any mistake he makes is going to be scrutinized, let alone whatever the hell happened in Japan. Like that just yeah. shows to me like he's completely I don't know if it's a lack of focus or his, his mind is clouded. Honestly, I think Checo is going to retire and he's going to finish his career with Red Bull. Um but from there, I think the other point comes to who would Red Bull put in that Red Bull seat and who would they put in the Alpha Tower seat? I think right now it's kind of they saw they've seen what Yuki can do. They've seen what Lawson can do on a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so now they're going to get to see what Danny can do for the rest of the season and for next year. So I honestly think it's up to Danny and Lawson at this point. For some reason I feel like they're not too keen on Yuki being up there. So I think it's no, gonna be between Daniel and guys. Lawson. I think if they're smart they do Lawson. Um Kind of, again, what we were talking about earlier, you know, having two number ones is is a dangerous game in that sport. Um, and we see that time and time again. Um, I think putting Lawson, you know, a rookie, a relative rookie, somebody that you can say, hey, you know, when you've been in this game for three, four, five years, you're going to be vying for a world champion. But until that point, you're number two and Max is number one. Um, cause Max has made it pretty clear that he doesn't plan to be in formula one for forever. He wants to go to Le Mans. He wants to go to, you know, kind of experience the rest of racing and whatnot. Um, his contracts are 28. So he's, he's kind of hinted and, and rumored milled that 
he might not re up in 28. So it might not be a bad idea for Lawson to to play nice for four years and be in a phenomenal car, hopefully. You see, but I, I don't be know, number man. two. I, I kind of disagree. I think that you might wind up with a situation like we're seeing at McLaren right now where Piastri is kind of starting to put the pressure on Lando a little bit. And yeah, Lando's still outperforming him. Um, but I could see potentially the same thing happening. So I would almost rather see Danny get moved up, even though it's kind of a stretch to think that he'll wind up back in the main Red Bull seat. But I think he would go in it with the understanding that hey, Max Verstappen is number one, right? The whole reason why you left is still the same thing that's going on here. So if you're going to take this seat, you're going to understand you're going to be a number two for a couple of years and then you're going to retire just like you said you wanted to retire on a high. You made it back home, yeah. you know. And so during that time, Lawson can be down at Alpha Tauri, who's going to have a fast car next year by all accounts. And so he could still be fighting and, and developing. So I, I don't know. I, I think I would rather see it play out that way. But it's all speculation at this I point. I think you're they just biased because you want Danny in a Red Bull. <laughs> I know it. I am biased. But hey, you know what? If that Alpha Tower is fast next year, I would love to see Danny down there. I want to see some more shoeys. That's what I want. I'd love some more shoeys. What do you think about the uh, McLaren boys? Do you think we're going to get fireworks there? Or do you think they're playing nice for now? <laughs> I think that they're playing nice for now. But like always, man, like you said, there's Lando is the number one driver. But Oscar is making a... Str- Oh, damn it. So Lando is the number one driver, but Oscar is making a strong bid for that spot. Yep. And I mean, it, how long until he starts matching Lando's performance? And then once he starts matching it, if he starts surpassing Lando's performance, there's going to be issues. Eventually, there's going to be issues. Um, but man, it's going to be a fun ride. And I am excited for the anticipation of more double McLaren podiums and Lando's first win. Yeah, Lando needs a win. He desperately needs to get that under his belt. And I think it's coming next year. Oh. Not this year. <laughs> not this year. Unless unless we have another Singapore situation. Yeah, which we're not. Supermax yeah. is, uh, they better just hope for mechanical failure. Right. And I don't know if that's going to happen at this point because that car seems to be solid as a rock. Unless Checo's driving it. And then it's still pretty solid. It's the fact that it's, you know, a little bit of wing damage is not half bad. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to see, <laughs> I want to know what Checo's doing right now. Cause he's probably in a hole in a depression somewhere. He's uh, it's like uh, the scene from silence of the lamb, but it's helmet Marco and Checo down in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is after the race ended, all the promo and like the promotions and everything like that didn't really include Checo in much of it. It there wasn't much like where you can find him. There was the video of like, you know, they take the team picture and then they start spraying champagne, everybody runs off. Yeah. I couldn't find Checo in there. I'm sure he was in there somewhere. Um, and then you know, Christian Horner talking about how it's a team effort and all that. Honestly, no, Max no. won it. <laughs> Max Checo won the didn't even need to championship by himself. <laughs> First guy to ever hit 400 points. What a time to be alive. Well, what about Haas? Haas right. It's kind of, I agree with what you said with the Mercedes. Like, as long as the cars are shit, the, the team pairing isn't as relevant, as long as it doesn't boil over like Alpine, right? Like, it doesn't really matter that you don't have a clear number one in the Haas because it's like whoever can perform for this race and gets closest to the points gets to be number one. Like, yeah, it changes on a week to week basis. That car's just so bad. Um, so I think the I, other one for me, the other, con- or the other question mark is uh, Alfa Romeo. 
because I don't, I don't really so see Bottas sticking around much longer. And you know his contract ends next year as well. And he's honestly, I don't know. I don't know what Bottas has been doing. I don't think he's. It seems like he's just there. I don't. I don't see him as being competitive at all anymore. So I don't think that he'll stay around. Yeah, and Zhou Guan Yu is definitely like trying, but he's just. You're in a car that's so bad. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot Alfa Romeo was there. Yeah, they're the most forgettable car on the grid. Um, I will say, I was looking back at it. I couldn't. I feel like Leclerc had a super lonely race. Speaking about forgettable in Japan, no, I didn't even realize he was P4 until the end. Like I went back and was kind of looking. And I was like, just kind of, you know, had a good drive. He no, he, he never really made it on screen. He was just there. Yeah, he didn't realize he was P4 until the end. Do you see the interview with him where he thought yeah. he saw Checo go into the pits? He thought it was Max because Checo already retired. So why would yeah. Checo be back out? And he thought Max retired. So he thought he was third place until the end and then realized he was not. <laughs> and we hit a new low. Uh, oh, man. All right. Well, hey, guys, if you like this podcast, make sure you leave us a rating and a review and share it with a friend. And uh, that's going to be it for this week. We'll be back next week with our uh, review or preview pod for the Qatar race, uh, which is going to be an exciting one. And then after that, we're coming to the U.S., baby, which I'm so pumped for that. Dude, me too. Man, it's going to be going. All right. Well, I think uh, that's going to be it. So on that note, stay classy, America. See you next time.